the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! You're listening to Family Feud, part of the Paris Style Podcast family. They might not be brother and sister, but they sure do fight like they are. Here's your hosts, Keely Orr and Shotgun Spratling. Welcome to another episode of the Family Feud Podcast. I'm your host, Keely Orr, joined by Shotgun Spratling and cousin of the pod, Chris Trevino. We have a fun show for you guys today. We actually... Behind the curtain, we're splitting this up into two separate podcasts. We're going to have a football podcast and a basketball podcast. This episode is going to be talking about USC's Pro Day and Spring Camp. It's right around the corner, guys. I'm so excited. It sounds like we might be able to to li- listen, watch, watch the Spring Camp. There's things to listen to, too. True. Some trash talk. Love that. So I'm so excited for that. We'll preview that. Our biggest questions heading into Spring Camp. And of course, we're going to hear uh, some take it or leave it from Miss... Miss? I'm so sorry, Chris. <laughs> you do call me Chrissy T, so maybe that. Hey. The bearded lady over here. And just a quick note on curtains. I love whipping open curtains because you never know where you're going to get behind those. It's like a surprise <laughs> thing. Like, no one ever whips. Okay. <laughs> just whip open curtains. Let's make a deal style. What's behind curtain number one? Yeah, yeah. Something like, but like violently. Like. <laughs> you never know what's behind a curtain. You could just be someone standing there on the other side. You never know. True. Visual bit. Visual bit at the top. Well done, Mr. Chris Trevino. But like I was saying, we're going to have uh, Mr. Chris Trevino's Take It or Leave It segment. And then also we'll have like a quick take version of our basketball takes. Probably will go out after the football pod, so stay tuned for that. As a reminder, you guys can follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Like Ryan says on the Parastyle Podcast, if you want to leave us a five-star rating, that really helps out the show. Uh, you can also send us your questions or submissions to the pod at familyfeudpod at gmail.com. Also look for a tweet from Shotgun Spratling. And speaking of the timing of the tweet, aka when we record episodes, that's kind of up in the air right now. Shotgun has 92 million sports he's covering in spring, and so we're kind of fluctuating around his schedule. Also with spring ball coming back. There's a lot of things we have to work around, so just uh, our pod schedule might be a little weird, but we're still going to try and produce pods for y'all, uh, hopefully every week. So just stay tuned for that. Yeah, be on the lookout for uh, uh, Shotgun's uh, USC Racquetball Club uh, <laughs> spring preview. That's coming out soon, so uh, check that on the P. You know, the intramural uh, teams are, are it gets doing... hot. It gets hot. <laughs> There's stuff to cover. A lot of stuff going on. Lots to do. Before we dive into the podcast, just want to thank our sponsor, our real sponsor of the podcast, Trader Joe's. Now, last time we were sponsored by Trader Joe's, Chris, you talked about a bold new venture. You were going to start with some items and report back to us how it tasted. Please tell us. Well, to give credit to my fellow Helium boy, Shotgun was the one who actually <laughs> threw out the idea because I love the uh, the hash brown patties, the cylinder looking hash brown patty so we thought maybe cylinder i don't i'm not good at geometry it's it's like a it's like you take the ovals and we use them as the bread for a sandwich like a breakfast sandwich so i made a little egg omelet put it between these two delicious uh potato pillows and i ate it i put some ketchup in the middle i went all in on this (laughs) and boy was it greasy Mm. but boy was it delicious i'm sure (laughs) i highly recommend for anyone who wants this give it a try i might add some bacon a little trader joe's bacon next time oh but do you add the bacon to the omelet 
or I think on it's top a, of the I think it's his own strips. I think you get the mm. strips on top of the of the egg. You put it in for a little crunch cuz it is it needs a little bit more texture just cuz mm. the the you know, you just got to get those patties really crispy, but Can you I put highly it recommend in the it. patty, the bacon strips? No, 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 it doesn't work like that. Okay, I it's didn't know how like thick the oval no, 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 was. No, no. You got to It's not that thick. Okay. Well, thank you for the Trader Joe's review, science experiment, if you will, Chris. Very enlightening. Culinary experience. Culinary adventure. Yeah, there you go. There you go. All righty. Like I said, USC had part one of its pro day on Monday. We're filming today on a Tuesday, so we got to see the interview portion. We heard from seven Trojans and Clay Helton. It was pretty much a presser blitz for us. We heard from Jay Tufele, uh, Elijah Griffin, Amon Ross St. Brown, Tyler Vons, Tal Noah Hufunga, Marlon Tuipiloto, Elijah Vera Tucker, uh, and then, of course, like I said, head coach Clay Helton. So I guess first off, I mean, we, Shotgun, you and I talked about it on Instant Analysis. If you guys want a full breakdown, you can go there too if you want. But overall thoughts from part one of pro day. The first thing I want to say is I really like this setup better just because on Pro Day itself, when the players are, are finishing and, you know, I, I go back to the Sam Darnold year, Sam Darnold was the last one basically out there. So you're trying to watch him while some players are coming off and you feel like you missed out on guys a little bit that you may have wanted to talk to, but you need to watch Sam Darnold because the Jets are there to watch Sam Darnold. The Browns are there. So you, you feel like you have to. It starts raining. Everything changes. So I really kind of like this, even though it's you know because of COVID. Just the fact we got everyone in a consistent you know um, pattern, you know, on, on the Zoom calls and being able to talk to them all and hear what they had to say. You know, I, I think the the biggest takeaway for me is Jay Tefele. Yeah, the, he just he sounds different. You know, from looking at his social media posts, he looks different. His body has been transformed. He's just much more mature than he was a year and a half ago when we last saw him on the football field. And I think that's a great sign for him that he can go. And I don't know where he's going to go in the draft. I think he's a big enigma as far as the draft because I think he could show out tomorrow and have really good numbers and maybe boost himself way up a board. Or maybe he slept on a little bit and doesn't. But I think he's going to go in the NFL and make an impact. Um, just from the way he's matured and the fact that he was already an explosive player, the biggest issue was a little bit of consistency. You would see some plays and then he would disappear for a little bit. I think with the things that he's worked on and talked about, the fact that he said he's been working on his core, and the the reason why he said he was working on his core is because a coach told you know one of his coaches, one of his trainers said, if you're not if you're just not tired, you're gonna make so many more plays. And he really took that to heart. And you know he's been studying Aaron Donald, and you watch Aaron Donald, and that's one of the things is. A lot of defensive tackles, they have to leave the game and come back in, in and out. Now you want to rotate those guys, obviously, to keep them more fresh, but he is going to go into the NFL, and I think he's going to be able to make an impact and make a consistent impact. So I'm really high on Jake Tefele based off of a, of a conversation with him, not seeing him produce anything, which is, which is kind of rare to do it. But I think just seeing him and knowing where he's come from, from four years ago when he yeah. signed with USC or however long ago it was, I think he's just take, taking tremendous strides. And that's what you really hope to see from players when they go to college is just seeing that maturity, that development, and becoming – you know, he talked about when he made the decision, he realized, I've now got to become, I'm no longer a college player. I'm not playing college football anymore. I'm a professional. I've got to act like it. I've got to train like it. And he seems to be putting in all the right work. And you know, I'm curious to see what numbers he puts up on Wednesday. Yeah, going the last thing you just said, how you're professional, you have to put in work. That was kind of the standout thing he said to me is like, you know, in college, everything is regimented for you. You have the coaches telling you what to do. You have it all planned out. You know when you're going to work out. You have your trainers. But when you're turned pro and you're trying to make it to the pro, that's all on you. It's it's all, it's all the impetus is all on you 
to get the work done, to find the training you need, to get up in the morning and do the training, stay late and do the training. So I think that that that's another point to the maturity. Not to say he wasn't a good, didn't have a good work ethic, but it's nice when you have that realization like, oh, it's on me now. If I want to be the best pro that I can be, it's going to be on me. It's not going to be on anyone else. And that's across the board when this transition happens, but especially for a guy like J2 Fele, who had a very unique experience where he opted out and watched his teammates while he was just sitting there. You know, he wasn't playing. And so that could go many ways if you want to, especially when you think about the offseason he had. I mean, it was not easy for him because his sister was essentially on her deathbed with COVID-19. And so you can go a lot of ways with the fact that he, it seems like he really matured. I know Chris and I essentially text each other exactly at the same time, like, Tufeli sounds like more mature. It was interesting because we both noticed at the same time. But the fact that he made those strides in such a unique experience, I think, is a really encouraging sign for him. Yeah, I don't know where he's at on NFL draft boards right now. But if I, you know, if an NFL scout listens to this, I would say they, they should definitely be taking a second look at him and seeing what he can do because I think he's just going to take off from here. You know, this is something you see sometimes, just that that maturity. You know, Clay Helton likes to talk about, oh, the light came on. That's what you hear for young players. There's a lot of times there's a maturity with guys that, especially if you think you're going to be a draft pick in three years or, you know, you're going to be three and out, that doesn't happen. When you become a senior and you just, all right, I really got to focus in. I've got to take care of it. I think we saw that step with Iman Marshall, you know, from his junior to senior year, just yeah. going, Okay, things didn't work out how I thought they were going going to coming out of high school. I've got to do something even more. And he took that next step. I think that when you see that, it's really fun to see. And I think that Jay Tafeli is one of those guys. Now we didn't get to see it on the field, but I think that, that whenever he gets in the NFL, you're gonna see you know his game's gonna go take it to the next level. See, it's interesting that you mentioned the whole Iman Marshall thing, because I almost feel like that could have worked for Elijah Griffin. We asked him, you know, the timing and, and your his NFL evaluation, what made you decide to leave? And he was pretty vague about it. And like, hey, you do you. You don't have to tell us what you don't want to tell us. But I think it might have been beneficial if he did return for one more year. I feel like it's a little too early, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, you know, he's a guy that I thought if he came back, I think he could have shown even more. Now, he was a lockdown cornerback, basically. You know, teams didn't throw at him that much. But the one piece that was still missing a little bit was creating the turnovers. He had one interception this year. I think if he would have come back, I think he just becomes more of a ball hawk. You know, the second year with Dante Williams, I think would have been big for him. And you know, maybe he puts up six, seven interceptions in a full season, and then maybe his draft stock takes off a little bit more because there there are a little bit of questions about his size, his you know, just the fact that he's six foot. He, you know the length it, does is it match up with some of the other guys? That's something that'll be interesting to look at tomorrow if they do wingspans. They post those. You know where does he stack up against some of the cornerbacks that you do see in the NFL? I think he's a really good cornerback, but I think he still could have developed a little bit more and boosted up his draft stock. Now he could still take that next step of development his rookie year in the NFL. That's sure. still perfectly uh, possible, and you know he doesn't have to worry about I need to you know I need to leave and go get money now. So that's why I think, you know, because he has the the family background, I think that coming back would have been more beneficial for him and, you know, being able to to spend another year in college, be the guy as the cornerback and then go to the NFL where he's going to be, you know, number 35 on the roster versus the number five guy, most important guy on the roster. Exactly. It wasn't a knock on his play. I think it was more just solidifying that resume more than a six-game season, you know, just padding it up a little bit more. I was hoping – 
he would share a little bit more insight into why he decided to, you know, make that jump. And like you said, he kind of danced around it, kind of was vague, didn't really get any clarity on it. But I think he's a guy who's kind of on the fringe of getting drafted. If you saw his draft grade, it's maybe a guy who needs time to develop on a, on a roster. Maybe he doesn't even get drafted. He might be a seventh to sixth round pick, and I think he's going to have to fight for a roster spot, which is, you know, that's the grind in the NFL. Yeah, and I think if he comes back, then he probably boosts that up a little bit. And then he, there's more invested in you, which gives you a better opportunity. You know, if you're a third or fourth round pick, just they've spent some money on you, those type of things. Uh, so that's why I think it probably would have been a better decision for him. But, you know, we've seen guys like Nikel Roby Coleman go undrafted. And, you know, you know, if you have the desire and you're good, and I think he is good, then I think that, you know, if he puts in that work and continues to develop, then he's going to be in the NFL for several years as well. As far as the wide receivers go, I thought it was interesting. One, Amarasi Brown said that he felt like he had things to prove on Pro Day. And then Tyler Vaughn's talked about how he flirted with the idea of coming back, but he thought because of his age, he probably should move on to the next level. So interesting. I wasn't sure where Vaughn's head was at, but like we've said before, I think he's he's done all he could at this level. I'm sure that broke our publisher, Ryan Abraham's heart to hear it's that. Heartbroken. Tyler Vaughn's was considering coming back for another year and if you're not into the joke that ryan abraham and tyler bonds are like symbiotic visual bit visual bit I'm he waited the, until i said it i'm doing the <laughs> fingers crossed. crossed they're tight they're close that's his boy um but yeah i i don't think he should have come back he already said i i think i've done all i can do and you know because of his age it was time to go to the next level or try for the next level Again, like OG, probably a little bit lower than OG. He's kind of a fringe guy too, but I think he's a guy who can sneak onto a team and you know be a role player uh, eventually down the line. You know, take some years to develop and, and then you know play a little bit of a role uh, for some team and some offense. Uh, and as far as Amon Ross St. Brown, I think he does have a lot to prove because this is a ridiculous wide receiver class, just like last year, yeah. and he's not being talked about uh, like some of the other guys, like Jamar Chase or Rondale Moore, who just had a ran a 4-2-9 at his pro day which is amazing uh, but there's a lot of good wide receivers just like last year and he's kind of in that kind of that Michael Pittman second tier guy maybe a guy you can steal in the second round that's how he's kind of being viewed so but he absolutely with a great pro day can jump himself up into the discussion and say hey I, I need to be dis discussed with some of these top end wide receivers some of these first day guys and he's been he's been mocked uh kind of a low end first round pick maybe like that 29 to 30 uh 30 second range uh but most most of the time he's being looked at as a as a second round to a third round pick i think his floor is a third round but he can absolutely make some money uh to uh wednesday on his pro day if he ends up in the late in the first round and goes to a team like the chiefs oof <laughs> he's he's going to going to tear things up because there's going to be so much attention paid to other wide receivers so it'll depend on where he lands um as to how much success he can have immediately right away but you know, one thing i th found interesting from the receivers was that both of them said they want to expect to run four fours so we'll see what they run and it's interesting with the pro days you talk about rondell moore's 429 the times you know, they're just, it's not as consistent as it is at the combine where there's one thing set up, everyone runs through the same at the same path. You know, they run through the same setup. It's not like they move, you know, to the other side of the field to run it. No, no, no changes. Everyone runs on the same path. So it'll be interesting to see where USC's times, which have been notoriously a little slow at their pro days, you know, so we'll see how USC's receivers run as well as some of the, the other players uh, on Wednesday's pro day. 
Talanoa Hufunga. He's another guy. I'm very curious about that 40 time because that's one of the things that, that people want to see. Flex of the day. Flex of the day. Maybe flex of the year. Flex on him. Just casually dropping that he's working one-on-one with Troy Palomalu. Just, you know, casual. So casual. <laughs> I just want to know what... It just feels very like... Because you see all these guys training with Exos or high performance level one. I just made that up. I don't... Uh, <laughs> jump higher... Uh, Academy. Jump higher boys. Uh, <laughs> Pro One Academy. I don't know. These are all made up. Sure. Except for the first one. The first one's real. But you see all these people on Instagram flexing where they're training, all the guys they're training with. But you're just out there training with Tro- Troy Palomalu. I, I just want to know what that... It feels. It just feels very like old school. I, are they like punching sand? Like where they're... <laughs> I don't know. I, I just want to know what... Is he tying like cement to his feet? He's making him run 40s? I don't know. I just want to know what the, what the old school... Are they... Chasing chickens? Are they chasing chickens? Are they purifying their locks <laughs> in the waters of their Polynesian's ancestors? I don't know. I just want to know what's going on. The visual bits are off the chart. I right just, now. I just, I just want to watch a thirty for thirty. Yeah, actually, on training, uh, training with Troy Palomalo. I just want to know. Ah, oh, it sounds so great. The thing is, it's really on brand, I think, for both of them. And mm-hmm. Chuck and you pointing this out on instant analysis, they're both the same personality-wise. Like they're very like gentle and and soft-spoken a little bit off the field, but on the field they're kind of like, oh, okay, ferocious. Ah, don't come near me. <laughs> um, and so I just think it's they're like two peas in a pot, in my opinion. I feel like it works. I mean, it's a perfect fit, uh, absolutely perfect fit. If there's anyone that you that you would say who should Talano Hufunga train with. And if we can get that 30 for 30 doc training with Troy and Tally, you know, <laughs> well, let's, let's make it happen. Um, but it would be Troy Palomalu. It, it's, you know, it's a perfect fit because of their styles, the way they fly around, the way they're just playmakers. So much of it, you, when he said it, you're just like, that makes perfect sense. Like, yep. Yep. Okay. You know, it's surprising because, you know, Troy Palomalu's out of the, you know, the public eye. He's very humble. He's a very family man. So you don't, you know, hear him training a bunch of guys like you, you do some other players and whatnot. And that's why it's, you know, you were a little bit surprised by it. But then you think about it and you go, yeah, it makes perfect sense. I don't know why he wouldn't train with him, basically. It's like, right. you know, it seems like he could be his long lost son or something. <laughs> You know, yeah, the hair, the the way they play, you know, it, it looks like either a long lost son or a long lost little brother. Um, <laughs> is he making him recover in the milk of virgin cows? <laughs> is he making him eat the world's hottest peppers and then run a fifty mile hike through the woods? Is he making him tackle bears? I feel like there should, there could be a little bit of bear grills, uh, you know, type of training here. It just feels like there's so much myth building that could be going on <laughs> that I'm putting out there sure do you have anything chris to no, add no i have about nothing that? of value <laughs> okay. other than what i said okay and then two other linemen we talked to marlon Tupiloto and elijah ver tucker anything notable from their oppressors I, th- I think the interesting thing about marlon was not what he said but what everybody else said about him you know jay tefele asked him about him you know what he watched and saw from marlon he said that dude's a beast and he said i look up to him and that was kind of interesting to me you know, as soon as he got on campus, that's a guy I've looked up to. So they came into the same class, and yet, you know, his peer was looking up to him. And then talking about those two guys, they've been training both of those linemen in in Arizona with Exos, and you know, they've been going against each other as well throughout their careers. So you know, that's interesting that they're also training together now. So I, I think that both of them have a chance to to be 
longtime NFL players. I think Marlon Tuipolotu can be just a rock in the middle of the defensive line. He's not a, a guy you're going to hear a bunch about on the broadcast in games, but I think he can have a long, fruitful NFL career if he stays healthy. Elijah Vera Tucker, I think, is the best um, guard prospect in this class, and I think he's going to be phenomenal. I just hope one of the defensive linemen gets to go to like the Ravens or a team that's known for great defense, reunite them with Iman Marshall, who's up there in Baltimore. Um, and T. Martin. And T. Martin. It'll be a... a the USC of the East building over there. A couple of five stars, you know? Circling back to Progens, if you will, Pro Day, some quick takes. Most approved. I mean, I think it's too Fele just because he didn't play a season. He's been off for like a year. And, you know, like he said, he's been training and working and he's excited to show everyone on Pro Day what he's been doing and all the work he's been putting in, uh, show off his new body. Um, so I think kind of he has the most approved because. Early on, when USC wasn't going to be playing, he was being pegged as like a first-round pick. Now he's kind of fallen off into that fourth and third round. So I think he has the most uh, to prove and to show scouts that are out there like, hey, you guys were were talking about me as like a first-round, second-round pick. Don't forget about me. I'm still here, even though I didn't play. I don't have the tape from 2020, uh, but, I, but I was doing the work. So I think he's a guy uh, with the most to prove. Even though there's other guys you could pick. You know, I, I think he definitely could be the most to gain. Uh, another guy that fits into both most to gain and most to prove is Tyler Vons. I think yeah. if he runs faster than people expect, you know, he has the production. He has great hands. He makes terrific catches. You know, the sideline, the balance, all those things. But the knock on him is, well, he's not fast enough to run in the NFL. He can't create separation. Well, if he can run fast enough in his pro day, if he shows you know a decent bench number. Um, which is something where you know he's been knocked on as well for his strength. Then maybe he can suddenly he goes from you know the NFL grade of oh he's a developmental league or whatever to oh this is a guy we know will produce and we know will catch the ball so we should be considering him as you know at least at the very least as a priority free agent coming out of the draft. So I, I think that he could definitely prove and help help himself with the pro day showing. Who will have the best day on Wednesday? I'm on Ross St. Brown. I think yeah. he'll be fast, and I think he'll uh, – he said that teams have questioned his strength, which is like, what? Who? Uh, uh, maybe he's making this up himself. Like, name some names. And, and that was interesting. He, the other team, other uh, reporters asked, you know, that were team-specific, NFL team-specific, like, oh, has, have the Eagles contacted you? Have the 49ers contacted you? And other players were like, yeah, I've talked to this team or whatever. Amon Ross St. Brown was like, I'm not going to say who I've talked to. I've well, been advised. Yeah, yeah. I was like, who advised you then? Uh, but so, I, you know, maybe he's making up enemies, that, you know, to which he's that competitive. So he might be, you know, saying, oh, they're doubting me here. They're doubting me. Whatever it is. Amon Ross St. Brown, I think, is, is the one that, that is going to show out on, on Wednesday. Yeah, Ra would have been my pick. I never want to pick against uh, him. Because the know, sun god will strike you down. The sun god will strike you down. Uh, but if I have to, you know, play devil's advocate and pick someone else, I think Marlon is going to have a good day. Hmm. You know, big strong man. I think he's going to show off his stuff uh, and the strength stuff. I think if he has a really good runtime, he said he wanted to show off his athleticism. I don't think people think because he was a really good athlete coming out of high school. But you know, stick him right in the. You don't think of, uh, you know, the nose tackle as an athlete, but he he was a pretty good athlete coming out of high school. So I think he's going to get to showcase some of that, you know, with the shuttle and the agility stuff. So if he tests well there, you know, big game for him. And also I'm just happy that we're talking about Marlon 
in this in the sense of you know being in the draft being you know could be a third maybe even a second round draft pick if he does well because you know at one point you know there was talk that is his career done when you know we had the back injury so i'm just really glad that marlon is at this point and we're getting to talk about him like this because you know there was a point there was a point where wow well we didn't know if he's gonna play again so really glad that the back worked out and he's and he's at this point but hope hope for the same in the future for steven carr you know, if he ever yeah. fully returns to where he was before the back injury because it just completely sapped some of that athleticism. You know, maybe we'll see Stephen Carr next year. Maybe he can, you know, have a similar path where, you know, suddenly, you know, he pops up and, and is a guy that, you know, goes through that entire process but gets to, you know, that NFL level after his senior year, final senior year, because there's like four senior years now, <laughs> it feels like. Final quick take. Which pro day event would you like to compete in? Either pro day or combine. I'm combining the two. No pun intended. This is a Chris question, by the way. I did not. Of course, it's a quiz. Chris. Oh, quiz quiz, question. Quiz question. (laughs) Of course, it's a Chris question because it's a fun question. Ooh. (laughs) Spicy. Spice. Don't come at me like it's a bad question. No, I wasn't. I was giving you credit. And she always gets on us for going first. So here we go. You go first. Really? Yeah. It's my question. I get to pick who goes first. So go first. I haven't seen a pro day since 2019. So all I see is cones in my head. (laughs) Okay. I just see cones in my head. Sounds like a haunted janitor. (laughs) (laughs) Or a parking attendant. Um, Yeah. Any number of jobs that require cones. I would want to do the... The vert? The vert, because I used to do that in volleyball. So oh. I like know the tips and tricks. Oh, no, baby. What are you doing? That's not going to go well. Well, yeah, because I'm 5'9", <laughs> so of course. But I'm not going to run a 40. But, but that's what you want to test in. You want to test in the vert. Are you saying, like, will I have, like, the best result? Like, which round will I have the no, best results No, it's in? whatever you want. What do you want to get officially tested in? Because I jump once, we're done. I'm not going to, like, publicly get, embarrass myself. Like, you get the two, 40. two jumps. You get two jumps. Okay, two jumps, and then I'm done. I'm not, like, <laughs> tripping over cones. We're fine. <laughs> She would she would find a way to trip over a cone. I think there is cones around the vert section, so you never know. I'm trying to think of what else. Like I, I think think vert's fine for you. Less movement. Okay, come on. The the one I would want to do just to know the result would be the vert. I would like to know what my vert is. Chris, what about you, though? What what event would would you participate in in the combine? Would Uh, you even do it since you hate pro day? Obviously, the. How dare you? Obviously, the 40 is appealing because everyone wants to know what their 40 time is to be able to uh, not brag about it because it would be crappy, but <laughs> you want to do it. I would do the the standing broad jump because because I'm flexible. So I just want to do <laughs> I just want to get in that motion of, you know, one, <laughs> two. So many visual bits today. Zoink. I think I could do, so I think I could get a decent. Standing broad jump. I think I could get a respectable broad jump. Okay, here's an idea. Family feud combine. <laughs> Look, I only want it to happen if it's in Indianapolis, and I'll tell you why. That's a good point. And I want to take retract my 40 time. I only want to do it if it's in Indianapolis so that I can get the ghost, the ghost running with Rich Eisen yeah. and Damian Mama. Yeah. <laughs> Love a good ghost run. And Taylor Mays, just to like track what actually. No, John good. Ross is in the front. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's mine. Would you do it though? That was my original question. Since you have been complaining about pro day for days, maybe it's because I'm like a, you know, like it's like a it's like a mother who, who <laughs> hates hates to see her baby go off to college. <laughs> see, I look at it as a, as an opportunity to see them for one final time as yeah. far as competing on campus. I do hate how bittersweet it is. 
And I do think there's this weird, like, pro-day interview appreciation where, like, I feel like the guys who come back appreciate the beat media way more, like, in this pro-day interview. It's really weird, but I always feel this different amount of appreciation on pro-day. It's weird. Okay, Chris, I'm putting you out of your misery, and I'm transitioning to spring camp. And how I'm doing that is because we talked to Clay Helton on Monday, and we were able to ask some spring camp questions. And because of that, we got some personnel updates. Also, fun fact, apparently we're going to be able to see spring camp to a certain extent. What? What? We'll see. Everyone did that. We rehearsed that. That was great. <laughs> Good job, guys. So we got a status update on Manier McLean and Palie Naotaote. Basically, there is no status update. If you were if you read the war room last week, we put an update about McLean. Uh, he's still on the team, but he's suspended from team activities. Uh, no update with the university for him. We also got an injury update on Alabama defensive tackle transfer Ishmael Sopcher. Clay Helton said that Sopcher suffered from compartment syndrome in his leg. Um, but Clay Helton didn't sound optimistic that we'll be able to see Sopcher in spring camp. Um, Chris made the point on the P that at least it's happening. If you need, if someone needs surgery, it's going to happen now rather than preseason. So at least you get that out of the way. Um, but that is a setback for, for Sopcher for sure. Yeah, disappointing to, to not be able to get him out there and get him in the mix and trying to learn a new defense and want him to get as much time, which is why it's so great that they've gotten, what is it, 14 guys that are, that are coming in early, 14 newcomers that, that are on campus for the spring, so that should be able to participate in spring camp outside of Softshire. So, But I think this is a big opportunity for Brandon Peely, actually. Take a step forward and try to, you know, try to go ahead and claim the starter spot, and then Sopshire in the fall will then have to try to make up some ground. Whereas it, you know, open competition with Marlon and, and Jay not being there, Brandon Peely should, you know, this is this is his opportunity to that he needs to take advantage of. It is disappointing because I feel like Sopshire was maybe the player, at least in the top three that you know fans were most excited to see. You know, former top fifty prospect. Alabama guy played at Alabama for a year big time mountain of a man huge SEC a body coming to the Pac-12 I think everyone was excited and it just fits so perfectly putting him where Marlon was filling that the shoes of Marlon and he also had Brandon but I think a lot of people were excited to see you know an Alabama dude in, um, in spring and I guess while we're on the injury topic any other injury updates you want to just rehash before spring camp starts yeah, feel free to jump in at any point because I'm just rattling these off my head. Obviously, Kyle Ford coming off the ACL tear. I don't think he's going to be participating in spring. I think he might be like a late guy, maybe do some stuff. I think he's going to be still rehabbing, but I wouldn't expect him to be a full participant, probably limited. Ethan Ray, you know, per the bio that got taken down, it looks like he's <laughs> finally healthy. So it sounds like, and just some of the clips I've seen from that Gavin uh, Morris has posted on from the workouts it seems like he's participating so i think he's going to be a guy for spring they're going to be not limited like he has been the last two seasons recovering from the knee thing for the knee uh surgery so that's a good sign uh following tight end jude wolf obviously his season was cut short due to the, the broken foot i believe he had surgery it was that type of injury um based on the bio that was up briefly <laughs> what chris is referencing is that usc put out an updated spring roster, and then I in the press conference referenced the updated spring roster, and then was told later on after the press conference that it was not finalized, and they kind of scrubbed the whole roster off the website. So it's immediately deleted. 
look, I'm just I just read I just read stuff. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but it sounds like Jude Wolf will be limited, might be limited in spring. So we'll see that. I saw him at the Bosco game. Didn't seem to have a brace on it. Seemed to be walking fine, but you never know with feet, foots, feets. Um, we already talked about Ishmael. Greg Johnson had the slight meniscus ca- meniscus tear. His season was cut short, same time as Jude's. Um, he posted a video of himself running in one of those... Zero G. Yeah, zero G things. Um, Still rehabbing. Doesn't sound like he's going to be a participant for spring. So he's going to be recovering. Solo Tuliapupu. He's five months out from from his ACL surgery. He is running. He's progressed to running. But he's not going to be a spring participant. Going to have to wait until the fall and summer for that. But he is progressing well. Linebacker Elijah Winston. He did not play last year because of the broken ankle sounds like he is still rehabbing so i don't expect him to be a spring participant so that's another guy that we're gonna have to wait on sounds like it taylor katoa i don't have an official update but he was battling the hamstring injury last season yeah i would assume he's going to participate this year that seems like an injury that would have healed up by now i don't have an official word on that but that you've seen hamstrings though are kind of weird They've lingered longer than they should have. I, I just don't understand how some of the injuries take so long for USC to get some of their players back. It just seems like there are certain injuries that take way longer than are anticipated. Now, sometimes it's just that's the way it happens. Players don't heal correctly, but it just seems to be there's been a pattern at USC where certain injuries just it, it takes too long, or some guys are rushed back and then they re-injure. You know, so it's it's just disappointing that some of these guys aren't going to get their opportunity to be on the field this spring. On that note, another guy who kind of fits into that category, Jordan Isefa, I reported a couple months ago that he had surgery again on that knee. Um, so that's something to watch for as well. I'm also just curious about Vimal Pei. That's something has, that has just continued. Uh, so where is he at? There's a couple players that have you know, injury histories and have been injured repeatedly. So we're hoping all those guys get healthy. That's the thing we hope from all the players is that they are healthy and have an opportunity to perform. Indeed. So just to summarize what we're looking for in spring camp, a couple questions. First, what is your biggest question heading into spring camp? My biggest question is what will they get out of the spring game and how will they use it? They're, they're putting the spring game right in the middle of camp. Would you stop laughing over there? <laughs> Sorry. I I don't know why you just you you've stuck a flag on this hill. It doesn't make you, no damn sense. That's why. <laughs> it's it's one it's one practice at the end of the day. It's that's not his, that's his problem is that it's a practice, not a but game. okay. But here's the thing: it's one thing at the end of the day. It's not worth dying on this hill. <laughs> this is gonna go on for. I'm actually putting this in the podcast. Oh, is it? Yes. I'm sorry, y'all. I didn't know this was going in. I thought this was all getting cut. <laughs> no, it's like snack time. I'm asking the question, what will they get out of it? And how will they use it? If you're going to put it in the middle, then there needs to be a reason for it. So what can you get out of it? I'm trying to say that this could be a positive. You won't let me. Instead, you just want to snicker about it because I have an issue with putting the spring game in the middle. I think it should be something that you're leading up to, you're building up to, and then that's the nugget at the end, the carrot at the end of the the tunnel for for the players that, hey, you're going to go really hard for these 14 practices, and then we're going to have the spring game. You know, People are going to be able to watch you on TV. You're going to be able to actually have a scrimmage that you know, you're going to be able to get results from and see where you stand. We're going to put the depth chart out on this day. Well, 
okay, if you're going to move it to the middle of camp, what are you planning to get out of it? Is this going to be, hey, we're going to go as hard as we can. You can't go hard the first week. you got to do the acclimatization period. You're going to go hard the second week, and then you have your spring camp in that third week. Are you building up and saying, all right, this is where this, the depth chart is. We're letting you guys know off this. Are you going to have a pre-spring game depth chart to say, this is where we see you right now, and then put out one after post? I want to know how you plan to use it. If you're going to do it in the middle, how, how is it going to be an advantage? It can't just be, well, we just moved it because TV. No, make you got to find a way to make an advantage out of it. So that's that is my biggest question. I want to f- see how they are planning to make it advantageous that it's going to be in the middle rather than we just moved it because. There's been too many things in this program in the last decade that is we just did it because. So I want to see what are you going to do with your spring game? What do you plan to actually get out of it? Are you this annoyed with the date or me or both? I was just I was okay with it until you started snickering over I'm there. I'm sorry, you're just so feisty about it. Because here's the thing. If your team has to be like mentally engineered to get the most the out of 18 to camp, 22 year olds based on one date, you have bigger problems than that. You're they're 18 to 22 year olds, you're constantly working to mentally you know manipulate them. Sure. But clearly they did something well in the pseudo training camp that they had to put on in November to go five and one. Like I, I just, what I'm saying is I think the culture produces that rather than a specific date of one, essentially one practice. The culture stems from every day that there's something you're constantly working yeah, on every the day, not just one date of the random spring game slash so- showcase. Well, there's, there's multiple things. So that one day is one of those things. So why not have it be that carrot at the end that you're leading up to or, that you put the uniforms on for, or ideally the, all those, you got 14 every Saturday is a scrimmage. So you don't differentiate. Okay. Well, you got 14 newcomers. They want to actually put the jerseys on that first time, well, the mystique of it. Instead, do you you're doing the game middle week of it. is for. Yeah, mock game week, which is the thing we have ridiculed over and over because it's the only time that they've gone hard and then they've you know sloshed off off after that. I think it's the first like real feud we've had in a while. <laughs> it feels good. We're back. I'm scared. <laughs> Chris is like, I don't know if I want official <laughs> membership anymore. He retracts it. Chris, do you have any thoughts on this? I see both sides of what you're saying, but I do agree because when I was you know a huge. University of Maryland football fan that was the thing we look forward to as fans at the end not not necessarily from obviously from a player's perspective but that's how it's always been done in my mind is you have the spring game at the end you work through camp you do all this stuff and then you get the big game at the end and also I just don't like the phrase showcase well they're calling it a game this year I believe right on the graphic they said spring game and Clay Heldon said both showcase and game Interesting. So who knows? Hopefully, it's not a showcase as it was a couple of years ago when they, you know, the basically it was just a glorified practice that had cameras at it, and they didn't really, they didn't want to show a bunch of stuff. Graham Harrell's new offense, um, even though Clay Helton said afterwards that we'll let everybody in here to watch it. Um, so uh, hopefully, it is an actual game because you want that competitive competitiveness. You want to see the players, you know, especially this year with the fact that there's less. Small, in, you know, small surges and stuff where you have, you know, suddenly you got walk-ons that are playing a lot in your spring game. They should have a pretty deep roster with the seniors that are allowed to come back and everything. You should have some really good competition for some of those spots, and there's some open spots that you want to see really good competition from. So, and again, I think they can use it. I'm curious to see how they will. So that's my biggest question. You know, how do you, you know, if it's in the middle, how do you then use it those last two weeks? 
I want to see what they do. Uh, so I think it's it's different. And again, maybe they find a way to, to make it an advantage. So that's what I'm curious about. That's my biggest question. Also, I had to put a disclaimer because I didn't at the top. We automatically excluded who's going to be left tackle because that was so obvious that we wanted to mix it up. Chris Trevino, your biggest question. While it isn't related to the left tackle because, duh, <laughs> I think my biggest question is what sort of progress will Clay McGuire make in his first, you know, coaching role with these guys over the course of spring USC's offensive line did not get a spring camp last year, obviously, and that's an incredibly vital time, especially when you're tinkering with your you're, you're getting to know the guys, you're getting to know how these guys work, how they practice, how they how they move, and and the chemistry with them. Um, so I think this is obviously an incredible important part of the year for McGuire coming in, taking over this this group of guys, you know, that aren't his guys, the guys he didn't recruit, obviously. So he's got to get to know them, he's got to know how they work. So I just want to know. What what sort of progress will be made in this these these what is it fifteen practices or whatever? Yeah. So what and that's obviously the most important storyline of the year is protecting Keaton Slovis, getting a much better fit uh, offensively with the run game, with you know an air raid friendly coach like McGuire. So how early, how much progress is he going to have? And then you know what do we see early dividends uh, in spring by the end? I have multiple biggest questions because this also like ties into the whole indecisiveness. But what is your biggest question? For some reason, first take off the top of my head was who replaces Talano Hufanga. And I'm curious just because he was obviously very important to Todd Orlando's defense, but how important? You know, because you ha- he was a special player who you could plug in. Hey, we need a linebacker. Put in Talano Hufanga. You know, I am just curious how much he elevated the scheme versus just Todd Orlando's scheme being well-developed, you know? So I'm curious about that. That's a very good question. You know, can your special players elevate your scheme? I think that's what you ideally want, and you want to be able to mold and adapt as you 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 have a special linebacker, so you do some different things. You have a special safety, you do some different things. You have a special defensive in coming in the fall? That was one of my biggest questions. Corey Foreman. Oh, but that's not spring. Oh. (sighs) I said coming in the fall, lady. Ah, sorry. Um, But same thing with Drake Jackson. You know, can you adapt and, and, you know, find ways to enhance their already natural abilities and create, you know, create opportunities for them to really excel? That's, that's, uh, you know, a great point that should be interesting to see with them. I'm curious about, and I almost put this on my looking forward to, is Xavier Alford is how much is he similar to Talanoa Hufunga? How much do they want him to be similar to Talanoa Hufunga? Yeah. If he does indeed, if that's the role, you know, the the safety spot that he's in, you know, are they having him down at the line of scrimmage? Do they want to move Isaiah Polamau down by the line of scrimmage more? I, I I am definitely curious about the the safeties as well. Rapid fire two, how the running backs shake out? Because I feel like you're a little top heavy now. Now that you have Keontae Ingram in there, so how does that whole rotation work out? And I believe Mike Jinks told the LA Times that he wants to have a clear first string running back, so I'm curious how that shakes out. Also, just Keaton Slovis in year three, especially because we didn't see him in practice prior to year two, and we couldn't really figure out why we were seeing what we were seeing. So I'm curious if, one, if that gets short up, two, if we see anything in practice. Going back to the running backs, I think it's interesting how much will we see those veteran running backs? Sure. Because those guys, you know, Vi Malapai and Stephen Carr just haven't practiced a ton 
in the last year and a half or so. Yeah, you know, that's they, a good they, point. they've basically been veterans. They've been given a lot of days off to try to rest their bodies because they've taken, you know, a lot of impact and had some injuries in their career. So, you know, I'm curious to see because there's fresh blood. Do, are they out there every day or, you know, both of those guys are competitors. They want to be out there, but you know, do, do they override the coaches? I'm like, Oh, just take it light to the nah, coach. I'm going, I'm going. I'm going to make a transition right now to the second question. What we're looking forward to the most. And the reason why I'm transitioning right now is because I essentially just said mine. I'm very excited for <laughs> practice observations. So excited. That's something where it just makes us better at our jobs when we can have some context to what we're saying and, and what we're analyzing. Um, so also, I just love watching practice. It's weird, but I love it. So I'm very excited to be able to have practice observations again. Hopefully, hopefully. I think it's going to be limited, but hopefully we have practice you observations. You get something. Yeah, something. Something better than nothing. Yeah, I mean, you want to see where the guys are producing and also who's getting the reps. You know, You want to see those type of things. Some reporters prefer the fact that everything's on Zoom. It's just like it makes it easier. You don't have to leave home, everything. But I definitely would, would you want to see what's going on, especially after this layoff that they've had in the six game season. Where, where are those younger guys standing? You know, who's getting those second team offensive line reps? Who's, you know, working their way up? Do we see who's winning those one on one battles? Who's the, the guy that, you know, we expect that maybe he's a guy next year for them or maybe the, the season after that, you know, is making some strides? Who's the Liam Jimmins who goes from, you know, third, fourth string defensive tackle? works his way up there and gets some reps, and then flips over the offensive side, and you just see that growth over the, the length of a camp. Those are the things, those are the type of things we, we look forward to to getting to see and you know that we like to see because it just tells you, it shows you who's working hard for one. You see, you know, who's running from drill to drill, all those type of things that you don't you can't fully uh, appreciate and you can't get a great sense of when you're just doing Zoom interviews. Yeah. For example, we would never have been like, hey, that that Elijah Vera Tucker Maybe he should start getting some playing time. That would never happen if we didn't see practice. So that's Family Feud plug. Plug. I gotta find that too. Especially since he's leaving. I gotta find I said it first that you hopped on the bandwagon, but I said it. I don't know if that's true. Oh, I will find it, so don't <laughs> get ready. Chris Trevino, what are you looking for to? I had a couple things, but I think my number one thing is obviously Miller Moss and Jackson Dart. Ooh, that's go. a good one. You know, two highly rate probably the best. QB class in the 2021 cycle signing the, both of those guys not only it's not like you signed a really good quarterback and like a you know a three-star developmental guy you signed two really really good quarterbacks two blue chip quarterbacks they're going to come in and now that Matt Fink is gone that really opens up the door for one yeah. of them to you know potentially grab that backup spot uh, behind Keaton Slovis or you know that 0.1% chance that one of them wins the starting job but we all know that's not gonna happen Right, so basically they're fighting for that backup job, and I think it's going to be a very fierce competition, a fun competition. Um, obviously, quarterbacks jumping from high school to college can be a little bit of transition, but they can still make plays, as we saw with Keaton Slovis, who you know really had some great passes in spring that made us go, "Whoa, we got to look mm-hmm. out for that! Look out for that number nine. So I'm excited to see, especially Dart, who's coming off that monster, monster senior year, has a lot of momentum coming to camp. And then Miller Moss, who, you know, has been starting since he was like a freshman, cutting up defenses, didn't have a senior year, but probably been prepping all this time. So I'm excited to see the, those two go head to head for that backup job. Be fun. 
I, I think that was one of the ones that I could have put on my spring star. Um, I, I, t- I was tempted on that one. We haven't even addressed that. Oh, sorry. Um, on our next question. <laughs> no, let's just get into it. Our final spring camp question. Can I get my look forward to? Oh, I thought you already said it. No, he did not. Oh, sorry, this, is, this is how the show goes. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how the offensive line develops, like like Chris said, um, and you know who gets those starting reps, second team reps, with you know the talk of Clay Helton mentioned uh, in the Zoom press con- presser um, on Monday that there were going to be four guys in competition for that left tackle spot. He said Jalen McKenzie and three of the returning freshmen, so Cortland Ford, uh, Casey Collier, and Jonah Monheim. And as Chris pointed out, which I didn't note this at the time. Casey Collier has put on how much weight? Uh, based on based on the last year's roster, he was listed at 290 pounds. Clay listed him as a very specific 317. So that's nearly uh, 30 pounds there, which is something I really wanted to see out of Casey because I had this written down as I want to see how those six freshman offensive linemen, the six they signed in the 2020 class, how they developed. I want to see who, whose bodies changed coming into spring because obviously – this is that was a developmental class, so now it was up to them to put in the work over the offseason. I want to see whose body changed, and then, like you said, I mean, like I said, twenty-seven pounds—that's a big gain. That's what you want to see out of Casey Collier, who has a great frame, but just needed to add some more weight. Yeah, you know, six-seven frame, I believe mm-hmm. it is. So, you know, if he has, if he's moving the same, that's always the big question when you add thirty pounds. You know, are the guys moving the same? So, I, I'm curious. You know, he, he's a guy that I'll be keeping my eye on, and how that kind of, you know, who's getting those reps, how that rotation kind of works. Those, those are questions that definitely we'll be looking at. So, I'm looking forward to seeing that on the offensive line and and where the group goes under Clay McGuire. How quickly. Are they, you know, picking things up? Is there a lot of just instruction early? You know, how exactly is it going for that group as a whole? And I just also want to point out that Clay did say he was six foot nine, three seventeen. He is listed at six foot seven. I don't know if that was a misspeak that he just maybe said six foot nine over six foot seven, or he legitimately grew a couple inches, which isn't like crazy to think it's about. It's not unfathomable. It's not yeah. unfathomable. So now I'm really excited to see <laughs> what what is the truth. I need to get to the bottom of this. And we like six nine offensive linemen at USC. Zach Banner was the last one. He was one of, uh, you know one of our favorites to to communicate with and interact with because I wouldn't say that it was it was always an interaction i would say except for the fact that my neck always hurt interviewing him <laughs> literally a foot taller than me so it was interesting times and you wanted to do the vert move on S- step off move on we kind of already did Shate. final question for spring camp your spring start will be almost went casey collier oh instead Ooh. i went Cortland ford I think Cortland ah. Ford is going to be the guy that takes over that left tackle spot. Um, talking with Elijah Vera Tucker coming out of the season a little bit, he you know mentioned some positive things about Cortland Ford. There's just been a lot of talk, and he's you know from the videos and stuff we've seen, you put putting a lot of work in at least social media work. Yeah. Um, so you know I think that he's a guy that has potential. There was that kind of mysterious, like, does he have a knee injury type of thing in high school? Yeah. You know, he had a bunch of really early offers, and then Former some LSU teams, commit. Yeah, teams backed away from him. It sounded like his his dad, I think, came on on the P to you know kind of set the record straight yep. and said no, he didn't have this you know issue that that some people were reporting that had happened. So I'm curious to see where he's at. I think he's got a lot of potential, and the fact that that job is open. And he's a guy that got some early playing time last year. I think that will only help him. And I think he could be the spring star this year. I will say, 
I have taken note of the social media work. And like the you said, Shockham, social media work might be different from work work. So we'll see. But he has that mindset so far, I think. And other players are talking about him. And that's usually a good sign. Clay did say he had a, was it Monster Spring or a Huge Spring or something like that? He said he had a dynamic spring. Dynamic spring. Over the last eight weeks. So... I mean that's a that's a positive that's an interesting word to use for an offensive lineman, but that tells me athleticism, right? Chris, it's time for your spring star. Look, as someone who's been tracking early enrollees for like the last two spring camps, I watch them closely, so I'm really big on early enrollees. So I'm going Julian Simon. I'm just mm-hmm. putting my chips in <laughs> for Julian Simon. The linebacker, as we mentioned, a lot of injuries there. A lot of guys coming off injuries. I think there's an opportunity. For Simon, if he's getting the playbook down, you know, obviously when you come in, you have to catch up to that. It's, it's a little bit of a – I talked to – I, I ran into some of the linebackers uh, last week at a showcase, and they kind of said, oh, he's coming along, but j- he just needs time. Just needs time to get the playbook down, get, you know, get situated, you know, once the actual college football starts with spring. So I think it's going to take a little bit of time, but, man, dude is a dynamic athlete recruited as a running back and a wide receiver for school so get that kind of athleticism out in the linebacker position you're doing well so i i, I think he's going to be a guy who's going to get steal some reps I, I expect him to at least be on the two deep this spring and i'm excited to see what he does uh, when he puts the pads on so that's my spring star nice. julian simon book it i'm putting putting Put my money where my mouth is. I think it's an interesting choice. I wouldn't have made the choice. I, but hate, I, I hate when you say interesting <laughs> choice. <laughs> I think it's an interesting choice. I wouldn't have made that choice, but I think it's a really good one. Um, now you feel better? Let me just translate for people who don't <laughs> haven't been around. Don't speak shotgun. Yeah, who don't speak shotgun. He basically said, you f***ing idiot. <laughs> oh, you I would, to bleep it. I would have never made that pick in 10 million years. But that's you. That's not that's what I said. I really no. no I speak Shakanese. Like, yeah. uh, are you kidding me? I'm fluent. That was, huh? I didn't think about that. Not fully agree with it, but it's intriguing enough that I won't disrespect it. <laughs> and he's laughing because I'm correct. That's really close. Yeah. No, I think Simon is, and hearing people talk about his personality, not necessarily what he's done on the field or anything yet, but just people from the Washington area that know him. Some of the 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 freshman class coming in that were friends with him. I just think that he has the type of personality that he's going to be all in. He's going to be super focused, hyper focused on, on the task at hand and could see a quick ascension. And like you talked about openings available for playing time at the linebacker. So I think it is a very interesting pick there. I wouldn't have picked it just because it's an incoming freshman. That's the only reason I wouldn't say there's a star this spring, but it could be, it could be my spring star. First one that popped in my head was Xavier Alford. I'm just going to put it out there. I think you get a guy like that because he's going to plug and play. You want him to fill a role that left. I think he's going to be the guy. I considered him, actually. Really? But I, I haven't seen him. I know. I, I'm going out on a limb here. But, yeah. but Gerard Martinez is very high on him. He said in high school he was, he was good. Good stuff. So... Yes. With the with the power of GM, I declare <laughs> Savion Alfred the spring star. Yeah, so that's one where if I've seen him before and if he was a local kid and I'd seen him in high school, maybe I could make that pick. Uh, but just because I haven't seen him yet, I don't I don't think I could go out on that limb. But not a bad pick either. Look at you guys making good picks. Oh, get out of here. It's about damn time I get some help around here. Chris, 
how do we eject Get him boy. to the moon? <laughs> He's not my boy. boy. He's your boy. Famously, helium boys. I guess not for life. So. Oh wow. Yeah. It's hurt. Well, any final thoughts, gentlemen, for spring camp? What you're expecting? Because this is this is it. Next time we podcast, there will be spring camp. I'm just excited for spring in general, just because that's a time for optimism. And last year we didn't get any of that because it was all terrible and horrible. Horrible. So looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing freshmen, new guys fighting for starting positions, open competition, ready to get it. And just a small plug, I will have my annual, yeah, annual because I do it every year, spring camp projection charts for the for the depth chart for offense and defense. So they'll be up soon on uscfootball.com. So be on the lookout for those. Small plug. We love a good plug. I like how you, you do so many different things that you don't even know if, like, do I do this every year? I don't even remember. Yeah, I'm also planning on revisiting my 10 predictions from the start of the season. Because I did that last year and people seemed to like it, even though it was horrible. But <laughs> but I but I'm I know that I'm not a great predictor. I just do it for fun. But it's my thing now, so I'm just going to go back. It's, it's, I'm not afraid to poke fun at myself and say when I'm wrong. Because they're just predictions. Yeah, or you just don't ever be wrong. Then you don't have to poke fun at all. If there's ever like a 30 seconds that describe both of you exactly how you are, it's that. <laughs> it's right there. Shadi, any final thoughts? I mean, the hope springs eternal. You know, you go into the spring and you think, all right, what can this USC team be? And it's interesting to see what they look like now versus what they'll look like in the beginning of the fall camp, the beginning of the season. All those things are kind of interesting. Where are they at from last season? I think that's a, that's an interesting thing to see. So looking forward to that. Did have a couple of questions that were football. Most of our questions that we you asked for were basketball. So rapid fire on them real quick. Jagger asked, no. who runs a better 40? <laughs> <laughs> Leave that in. Just have a hard cut. Just a hard cut. <laughs> so brutal. Already, Shaka, you, have we're 30, letting, you have 30 seconds. We're letting you, on a very temporary basis, answer these questions. So we had only a couple of football questions, so I'm on the clock now. Jagger asked, you know, who runs a better 40 Wednesday, Amon Ra or OG? Chris, I'm curious your answer on this one, actually. What? You just <laughs> owned it to me. <laughs> I'm gonna, uh, sneaky, sneaky. I'm going to do Amon Ra because I don't bet against Amon Ra. Ooh, good, good, good answer there. And he also asked, uh, it seems like Armand Hawking's name is getting brought up by a lot of recruits, so is there a chance of him getting a raise or a promotion to keep him on the staff? I don't necessarily think that you'll need a promotion for that, but it is interesting to see that he's getting his name out there. So that's a positive thing to have more guys be involved with the recruiting on that side. What's his time? He went a 36.63. So actually, Chris just ruined it. He took six seconds. To <laughs> wow, what? That was brilliant. That was brilliant. Do you see that? That's a that's a, that's a veteran move right there. That's like the little lean when you're going for the shot to get the the blocker to, or the defender to go in you. That's that's a veteran move. I, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hate on the hate on the player. That's the game, baby. Also, just to set the scene, Chris had the phone up with the timer going, staring directly at Shaka <laughs> for that bit? entire time. Is that so. technically a visual bit? It's definitely a visual bit. I don't think it's a bit. I mean, it was, I'm, I'm it was a visual holding. thing. Yeah, okay. Alrighty, Chris, on that note, time for me to pass the torch to you. It is time for some take it or leave it. That is, that is, that one, this read's going to be a little bit long, so bear with me. Not not long relative to other ones, but just a little bit long. I'm nervous. Um, Thank you to our real fake corporate sponsor for the week, Twitter, the little birdie. Hey, USC fans, look. 
We get it. USC is a football school. So maybe you were a little bit hard on the basketball team recently. But maybe you want to jump on the Sweet 16 craze, but you don't want to be called a bandwagon fan. Well, we have you covered with our new premium bandwagon blocker extension. Let's say you have a tweet like this lurking in your history. Hmm, LA County health officials say no fans allowed at Galen this season. Have these protocols been in place the last five years? LMFAO crying face emoji. But our sophisticated AI tech will expunge that tweet and change it to something like, Bummer, no fans this season. Crying face, crying face, crying face. Only makes me more hype for the, for my season tickets for next year. Or maybe you tweeted something like, can't wait to see this team get bounced in the first round. Grin emoji. We can change that to goosebumps thinking about this Trojan team. They can make a run. Take away the worry of being labeled a bandwagon fan and leave no doubt to your fellow Trojan fans that you were there from the start. Bandwagon blocker presented by Twitter. Maybe you should have been a little bit more supportive from the start, fam. <laughs> well done. I, 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 yeah, this is a good one. Thank you to Twitter and their new bandwagon blocker, which is available for a nominal fee of $59.99. Wow. Look at that. It's amazing what technology does these days. <laughs> it is. Let's jump into this, boys and girls. Clay Helton named four candidates for the left tackle position. One of those will be the starting left tackle. Taking it. I think Cortland Ford is a front runner there. Um, but I think those are the, the true candidates. Uh, you know, it just doesn't seem, if you name those four guys, doesn't seem like you're going to then suddenly move Andrew Voorhees out or move Liam Jimmins. It sounds like they're pretty confident in those guys sticking in the positions that, are, that they're at. But, you know, new offensive line coach comes in, he sees them on the field, maybe that changes something. But I'm, I still think it's from that four group. I'm going to take it. Okay. I was thinking of being spicy and saying, like, it'll be a dark horse, but I'm going to take it. I didn't even think of it, but the other possibility, what would cause it not to happen? Grad transfer? Transfer portal. Yeah, mm-hmm. it didn't, didn't, didn't come to my mind initially, but See? I've already made my answer. You so already I made it. <laughs> <laughs> if you would have went with that initially, you would explain that. Rough start for both Re-edit. of these. Re-edit. Re- I, guys, I think there's going to be a grad transfer, so <laughs> I'm leaving it. Rough start for these two. They can respond. Obviously, we're still in the time of COVID. USC will get in every scheduled spring practice. Ooh. Don't put that juju out there. Taking it. I want to be positive here. You don't want to be positive. You want to be negative. Also true. Boo. I'm going to take it. Stay positive, test negative. Put that on a shirt. Copyright Family Feud Podcast, all rights reserved. USC will have more than two players transfer out during or following spring camp. Leave it. I'm going to take it, actually. Yeah. I'm going to leave it because uh, I think the, the culture that everyone seems to be, you know, talking about, you know, from the defense coaches last year, what Steiner's doing with the strength and conditioning, I feel like everyone's buying in. Usually it's when you don't have a great culture that you see some guys go, I'm not starting. I'm out of here. Sure. That's a good point. I, the Steiner factor is one that I think changes it because I do know at the end of the season it was like, rumor city of transfer portal stuff which didn't come true necessarily but i know after spring sometimes guys get frustrated especially if you're older so i'm gonna true. leave it or take it whichever one i said at the beginning of this <laughs> <laughs> okay shifting a little to basketball 
Visual bit. Visual bit. He's shifting gears. I don't know how to. I don't know how to drive stick, but (laughs) he's just punching the air right now. (laughs) It's a bummer. SC is playing organ in the Sweet Sixteen, and not, you know, an out of conference foe. You sounded a little sarcastic on that one. Take it because yeah, take that one. This would not happen in any other conference. The number one and number two teams in a major conference would not be facing off in the Sweet Sixteen. They would be, you know, better seated so that it couldn't happen. Uh, it, it's just it's unfortunate that that's happening. It's also unfortunate that there's one region of the bracket which had no Pac-12 teams in it. So you had two in, in the same quadrant in USC and Oregon, and then I think there were two in uh, Colorado was in the same bracket as someone else. You know they've lost, but um, so you know why could you not put someone in the the one region that didn't have a Pac-12 team? You know I know there's it's difficult when you actually try to build out a bracket and keep. Okay, we've got to, got to keep teams that haven't played or teams from the same conference and split them up. And you have the, you know, when you're doing the seedings and stuff, it becomes very difficult. I understand that. But to have USC and Oregon in the same quadrant, it just seems like it could have, they could have definitely done something different, especially, especially because those two teams were number one and number two in the Pac 12. If it was, you know USC as a as a six seed and Oregon State and they somehow match up. You go okay, that, you know that just happens. But six and seven, come on, you could definitely have done better, NCA. I agree with him, and I'm very thankful we got out of that without a Larry Scott rant. So <laughs> I'm I'm happy with this one. And she gives a fist pump. It's true. As you know, one of the big contenders for the number one overall pick, Kate Cunningham, is no longer in the tournament. Him and his Oklahoma State Pokies. <laughs> The Pokes, Pokies, the Cowboys, the Pokies, saying we're saying the same thing, is out. He does not have more time to build his draft resume. Put out by Oregon State as well. But maybe he doesn't need it. Evan Mobley, still in the tournament. Jalen Suggs, still in the tournament. You know, those guys are considered the top three prospects. Evan Mobley will be the number one overall pick. Take it or leave it. That's <laughs> it's- a very difficult one and i'll tell you why because normally in the nba draft there's one guy and you say that's the number one pick andrew wiggins that's the number one pick occasionally there's no one in the draft that's the number one and that's how you get was anthony bennett from unlv that was the number one overall pick and then he was out of the league in a couple years um this year is one of the rare years where there are probably five legit prospects in this that maybe in a weak draft could be number one those top three guys are all worthy of a number one pick in certain years of the draft. And I think because they're special talents, all three of them are, it may come down to actual team need, which is rare in the NBA. Normally it's just you take the best guy, you build your team around him because they're, they're going to be a superstar. But I think it may come down to if someone has a really good big, then they're definitely going to go with one of the wings. But if someone has you know a, a legit point guard or they have a legit you know two guard and they feel like we're we're really missing in on the interior evan mobley could be the number one pick so i'm gonna be optimistic and say i'm gonna take it i'm gonna say he's gonna be the number one overall pick and he has an opportunity on this national stage to continue to build that resume because i don't know i know scouts have watched him but i don't know you see it every year where someone's draft stock continues to rise because someone whether it be a GM or someone, an owner, someone in that front office starts falling in love with a kid, and then suddenly they start pushing the buttons a little bit like, hey, this is the guy we really need. You know, and, and if the scouts are kind of, you know, it's a toss-up to them, 
then you're going with who pays, who's uh, paying the money. And I think Evan Mobley is such a unique talent that someone could definitely fall in love with him that way. I'm going to pull Chris right now and be like, you expect me to follow that? But that is just the theme of the Take It or Leave It segment, so I'm used to this. I'm going to be optimistic and say that USC is going to advance, thus more national exposure, thus... We always talk about the West Coast doesn't really get any love, hence why everyone's so shocked about the Pac-12 doing well. I'm going to say take it because they're going to see him and be like, wow. I think you're going to get the same thing with Suggs, where I think he's kind of third right now for most people when you're just talking about the conversation. And maybe you know I'm looking at it from an Evan Mobley perspective and covering him, but I think he's going to get even more exposure because again, West Coast, you know, being at Gonzaga, how much are, you know their games are on TV, but who's staying up to watch them play St. Mary's? You know, when you expect them to blow out somebody, I've barely watched Gonzaga this year because every time I flip it on, they're up by 20. So it's like, do I really want to watch the rest of this game? And I've watched bits and pieces of them. But I think that it's definitely, and this week in particular, making it to the Sweet 16, having, because you go from Abilene Christian or one of the small schools that, you know, North Texas, you get a day of big hype. You got this big upset in the first round. Now you have a full week. And this whole week is going to be, there's going to be so much talk about the Pac 12 1, the disrespect, and the fact there's four teams in. And it's going to come back to Evan Mobley because he's the player of the year, he's the freshman of the year. He's the defensive player of the year in that conference that now has four teams in. So I think a lot of that conversation is going to round back to Evan Mobley and his, you know, his uh, profile, I guess, is going to grow even more than it was, you know, especially because they have this week of lead-up to the, the Sweet 16. And this final one is a fan-submitted take-it-or-leave-it oh. that I got in my tweets that I've been holding because we haven't had the moment. But this comes from Samuel at... SC Trojan underscore Sam. Ah, yes. Um, I think I remember He was tagged all of us, so I'm reading it now. Evan Mobley is the most talented basketball or football player to play for USC since Reggie Bush. Take it or leave it. Who are the candidates? On the basketball side, you got DeMar DeRozan, OJ Mayo. Masterpiece, son. I'm always always down for Lil Romeo. (laughs) Onyeka? Not even in... I don't think so. Okay. You know, Evan's better than him. So <laughs> he said that with such conviction. Evan is true. It, and I think Anyeka is really, really good, but Evan is so skilled. Uh, on the football side, since Reggie Bush, that's the, I mean, the Reggie Bush is the one I actually would probably be competing with him. And I think Reggie is definitely there. And the hype train with Reggie is so much more than Evan Mobley. But as far as just athlete and talent, Evan Mobley is definitely up there. Yeah, you're stripping. You're not. You're taking away like the accolades and all the that. You're just doing straight like talent. Yeah, I mean, Sam Darnold is the only other person that's been in the consideration, and maybe Leonard Williams for you know top one, top one or two picks. Uh, Adori, he wasn't in the consideration for one or two pick. I think that's where you're looking at now because, you know, when you go in the NFL, it's about being you know. I mean, when you go in the pros. The number one and number two picks are supposed to be generational type talents. You know, they're supposed to be the elite dudes. You know, I love Dory. I think he's such a unique athlete, but you know, I, I just Evan Mobley is on a different level. I think you have to take it. He's seven foot and he can do backflips. Wait, what? Yeah. Is that a requirement now for this university? If <laughs> you're really good, you can do backflips like yeah. Drake Jackson. Yeah. So seven foot, he's you know, he plays like a guard. He can do everything you want on the court. He's and the 
probably the most impressive quality is just his unselfishness and the fact that he's not a diva, even though how good he actually is. There is one person that can't compete with him, but they're, they're outside of the scope. It's Michael Norman. I would contend that Michael Norman's not even the best track and field athlete in the last 15 years. I'm going to go with Andre DeGrasse, you know, the, the Canadian national who's, um, who came through USC and has been phenomenal on some of the professional um, circuits as well. So, But here's the thing. If we're going to open it up, I mean, USC water polo has just been dominant for over a decade. And then beach volleyball? I know. I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> They've been dominant as teams. I don't know if there's been one. I mean, Sarah Hughes, beach volleyball. Yeah. She's pro. I mean, going pro in beach volleyball is extremely difficult. Yeah. Uh, she's really good. But, no, I, I think it all comes back to Evan Mobley. He's going to be the number one pick. Sure, Number sure, two sure. pick in the NBA draft. And he does things that no other big man can do. There's very few big men in the NBA that can do what he can do. And when he gets bigger, I mean, one of the, his assistant coach, Chris Capco, said on my on the on the Hurdle and Sidelines podcast that he thinks he is a potential Hall of Famer. So he's got work to do. But how many how many times does do does a coach say, "Oh yeah, that guy's a Hall of Famer that we got on our team"? That doesn't happen. You ever you ever Clay Hilton say that Adoree Jackson was going to be a Hall of Famer? Well, I mean, I don't think Clay's the guy you want to like. Sure. He's Mr. Hyperbole. So true. But did he ever say that about okay, Sam Darnold? Fair, fair. Nice plug for the herd. It that wraps up my corporate fake real sponsors. Whatever, take it or leave it. Uh, thank you to Twitter. Thank you for the bandwagon blocker. If you need it, get it right now. Um, but I also want to shout out uh, Daniel Mercado at Fight On underscore Four underscore God, who a couple weeks ago made me some podcast art for my own podcast, a solo podcast, because you guys won't make me. <laughs> a permanent member the two options he gave were this damn podcast which i kind of like and crabs and terps with chris trevino and he even had the little enye over the end so the, hom- you know. the homie recognizes so shout out to him uh for oh, making those for me i can't believe it this is incredible first of all he photoshopped you on top of like maryland yeah that's on campus baby let's go that booty on campus <laughs> And then, what picture is this from? Do you even know? I think it's middle school graduation. I don't know. My face looks a little warped. I don't know what's going on there, but whatever. I'm still about it. My head looks like a styrofoam peanut, but it's okay. It's okay. And with that note, let's get into the the fun ones. I don't have a lot, but let's just let's just go with it. NCAA tournament, obviously. Slapping the floor when you're on defense. Leave it. <laughs> As someone had a great tweet that said, I don't remember exactly what they were complaining about. I think it was hanging on the rim um, after a dunk. He said, that shouldn't be a technical, but slapping on the floor should be a technical. I would agree with that. You don't like slapping on the floor? No. That's a Hoosiers type of thing. Leave it in high school. I would agree. Wait, wait, wait. Apparently there was a group... In unison, yeah. I think Illinois, what was it? Oh, or no, Illinois. That, I forgot no. who. But did a group slapping at the floor, and someone said they should be immediately <laughs> eliminated from the tournament. <laughs> no, they were like, they're going to get blown up by 80. <laughs> Keeping with uh, that theme, screaming and one after every layup. Oh, it's happened so much <laughs> this year. I, I, I love it. I love it. I, I commented um, at, at a baseball game, just one of the effects of there not being fans in the stands is you hear all the chatter back and forth. And during basketball season, it's been interesting to hear some of the assistant coaches, what they're yelling at the players during it, which I find really fascinating. But 
it is mind blowing how many times the phrase and one gets said during a basketball game. And it's like every time anyone goes towards the, the goal, and one, and one, you throw up a shot. Sometimes they don't even throw up a shot and someone's yelling and one. It's like, what? That didn't, that didn't make any sense. I want it to be so muscle memory for someone that they just get a wide open layup and just go, and one. <laughs> just no one even close to them. I like it. Who's the biggest <laughs> offender for USC? Uh, Ethan Anderson probably <laughs> yells I'm not surprised. pretty much every time he goes to the basket. Um, Chavez Goodwin just yells, especially, but he his is usually after a dunk or something. Um, but I think my guess would be Ethan Anderson just as much. And it's interesting because like Evan Mobley will do it too, and he's so quiet. You're like, does he ever speak during a game? And then you'll you'll hear it on the broadcast a little bit, or you'll hear it in the arena. This also made me realize that the mics in the regular season were way lower because now I feel like I hear like way more like oh, yeah. <laughs> than before. But I, mean, I don't know. Just depends on who's broadcasting it and what they're. True. But speaking of repeating things over and over again with no purpose, I've been singing One Shining Moment for the last two weeks. One Shining Moment. I don't know any other words. <laughs> Besides One Shining Moment. Or the ball is tips. And then it's downhill. I don't know anything else. If you're not hip to it, HBO released the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League, which everyone has been talking about. And it's over four hours. So we in or out on a director's cut that is four hours. Here's the thing. It's the director's cut. You're not forced to watch it. You can just see a different interpretation of the movie, right? Yeah. I'll take it. Does that mean you're going to watch it? No. I get <laughs> clowning on it. Like, that's fine, too. Did you watch the original? No. Okay. I just, for some reason, have a very decisive take on this. I'm not fully... I don't know exactly the inner workings of how this is. Um, I, I'm okay with it because I think it's a, I'm going to take it because uh, it's an art form. And again, like, like Healy said, if, if you know what you're getting into when you're watching it, you know, the Irishman is what, like a three and a half hour long movie. You know that getting in, it says it there on Netflix, which is why I have not watched it. I'm not watching a movie that's three and a half hours long. I need, you know, like three breaks in there for that. Uh, so, you know, if you know what you're getting into and you choose that, then sure. What's I don't understand why people get so upset about things. Okay. He says upsetly. True. This is a little baseball. Um, I don't have the exact actual name. I, you guys might know it, but the Dodgers Roaming Fan Club putting up a thank you for Mookie Betts sign. to 49. There it is. Thank you. Says the Angels fan. <laughs> putting up a thank you for Mookie Betts sign right outside of Fenway Park. Oh, I love it. I thank love... Thank you for Mookie Betts. Yeah, thank yeah. you for Mookie Betts. I love pettiness. <laughs> all for it. But then um, all the Red Sox fans were complaining. Like, oh, they shouldn't be allowed to do that. Red Sox fans are trying to complain? <laughs> that's no. what I was about to say. I'll take it because it's outside of Fenway. And that's it. And I'm going to do an and one because I like to do... Uh, <laughs> oh! We're doing like... It seems like we always end on some sort of story time. So I recently watched The Last Blockbuster, a documentary about the last blockbuster that ever exists. In Alaska, right? Uh, I believe... No, no, no. I believe it's in Oregon. Oh, my bad. There Sorry. was one in Alaska that closed down. But they were like the final two. Okay. The one got closed down. Now the 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 last one is in Oregon, I believe. Um, so you might not even know what a blockbuster is. Excuse me. I feel like Shotgun knows all about that blockbuster. Life. I feel like he might have even been like a manager there. <laughs> no. After not. the cheese factory. Do you guys have memories of blockbuster? Excuse me. Blockbuster was like the thing Friday night. Okay. It'd be like, let's go to Blockbuster. I get a candy. I didn't usually get candy, so I got candy. And I got to k- pick my kids' movie. Shotgun, 
former manager of Blockbuster. What <laughs> Never worked at Blockbuster. You look like you would thrive at a Blockbuster. I don't know why. You just seem like you would have a... It's not like a... Because he talks about movies so dang much. It's not a high stakes I job. talk about movies so much? Yeah. Are you going to shame the Blockbuster customers when they haven't seen movies too? Like you do on this podcast? I just shame you for not having seen any classics at all. <laughs> yeah. You know, and by classics, I mean anything from 95 before. <laughs> like that's not even that old. Older than me, so yes. I've seen movies that are older than me. Yeah, because you worked at a blockbuster. <laughs> no, I didn't. See, I don't know about any of this stuff. Wait, were you, you not a blockbuster, blockbuster boy? <laughs> 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 blockbuster boy? He's a helium boy, but you're not a blockbuster boy? <laughs> to be honest, my dad would just buy movies. <laughs> oh, yeah. you had money like that? Oh, you had money like that. Oh, he rich, rich. That's why blockbusters and rental places existed, because VHSs were so expensive. They're like 100 bucks. Oh, they were 1995. No, 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 no. When they and first came out, they were like 100 bucks. How old are you, Chris? I watched the documentary. Oh. So I know. Not, I learned it. Not when the VCR first was introduced. Yes. I'm talking about in the 90s when I was growing up. They were like 1995, or you know, Walmart would have a dollar or five dollar bin. My dad still buys stuff from bins, like three dollar DVDs or something. I'm like, Dad, are, you've already seen this movie 300 times. It's on TV every time, and he still watches it. He still got to buy it to have a copy. I don't understand it at all. So yeah, he, my dad would just buy movies. Um, so we didn't rent movies. Our Friday night tradition was pizza and X Files. So it was a TV show that was on. Oh. I didn't do that. <laughs> like the Jeopardy that. theme song. Yeah, I, I, that was more Jeopardy than. <laughs> but me personally, I, I always just watched live sports, so I didn't. I've never been a movie person. Rent movies. But you've been in a blockbuster before. Yes, I've been in a blockbuster. I'm sure. We actually had a different Hollywood. It was called Hollywood Videos type Ooh, of store. Okay. Same type of thing. But okay, that concludes and one. And one. Alrighty, well that's gonna wrap up this episode of the Family Feud Podcast. This was the football portion. Be sure to stay tuned to the basketball portion, all you bandwagon fans. I see you. I know you want to <laughs> listen to this podcast, so be sure to stay tuned for that. Get that uh, that uh, bandwagon blocker. Yeah, exactly. Gotta get it. It's perfect. To throw in one baseball note, former Heard It on the Sidelines podcast guest John Thomas from the USC baseball team was named the Pac-12 Baseball Player of the Week this week. Look at that. Nice that little uh, closer. No pun intended. Let's go. Also, just for the record, I've been singing One Shining Moment in my head since we started singing it. So it's just there permanently. The ball is tip. <laughs> Maybe I'll just have the outro be Someone one Someone in this podcast. <laughs> the outro is going to be One Shining Moment. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Ball is tip. Now it's going to be stuck in my head all day. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. (laughs) Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.